This podcast is part of the Invesco ETF Academy, a knowledge platform for professional investors who want to learn more about passive investing. Please visit the Invesco ETF Academy at the Investment Officer website, investmentofficer.nl if you're based in the Netherlands or .be if you are in Belgium. In this episode, one might think an ETF is an ETF. Yet, if we take a closer look at the structure of ETFs, several abbreviations come up, such as ETC, ETN and ETP. What do they all mean and why are different legal entities needed for what at a first glance appears to be the same type of investments? In addition to different entities, we also notice different replication methods with ETFs. There's synthetic replication, using a swap to replicate the reference index, and there's physical replication, where the ETF directly owns the stock to replicate reference index performance. What is the underlying idea behind this, considering cost, return and risk? My name is Marije Groen and today I'm here with Christopher Meller, head of EMEA ETF, Equity and Commodity Product Management at Invesco. In this podcast, we explore the logic behind the structure of different types of ETFs and their replication methods. Christopher, welcome back. Great to have you again. Thank you. Lovely to be here, Maria. Um, Christopher, we're going to start off with four statements. I think we've done this before. Uh, you know the drill. You get to say yes or no, or agree or disagree, and then you're allowed to come back to one of the four. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay, first statement. It is important to understand the difference between an exchange-traded fund, exchange-traded note, exchange-traded product, and exchange-traded commodity. Yes, it is, yeah. It is Important to understand. Okay, not more abbreviations. The second statement, ETFs and ETNs are just two types of ETPs. That's correct. Third one, ETNs and ETCs are basically zero-interest corporate bonds. Uh, that's a, it's a no. That's not really that's what no they are. For you. <laughs> okay, we'll get back to that probably. Uh, and then number four, synthetic ETFs are riskier than physical ETFs. Yes or no? That's also a no. That's also a no. We have two yes, two no's. Which one would you like to come back to, Christopher? I think the the one I've got to come back to is the last one. Okay. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure my compliance would would prefer me to expand on that. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what I'd say is, you know, so both physical and synthetic ETFs have you know risk profiles. You know, so you know uh, they will both have counterparty exposure, for example, through you know the most obvious thing, a physical ETF using stock lending will have exposure to the counterparties they're lending to. Um, a synthetic ETF, which, as you've noted, has a, a swap element to it, um, is exposed to the swap counterparties, you know, to the level of the, the value of, of the swap at, at a given time. Um, so both have risks. Both take steps to minimise those risks. Um, and, you know, there are many ways to measure risk as well. You could argue that, you know, tracking error is a type of risk for an index tracking fund. Uh, and maybe a synthetic ETF has a lower risk regarding tra tracking error than, uh, you know, a physical fund might do. So, you know, there's there's uh, quite a lot to unpack there, I guess. 
Right. Well, and, and I think a lot to unpack overall, because I can imagine people do not necessarily get all these abbreviations. So let's get, get into it uh, a bit more. Um, first, we talk about the, the replication methods. So roughly speaking, ETFs uh, use two types of replications, just like you said, synthetic and physical. Um, so please, can you explain the difference to us and also what determines whether the index is going to be replicated physically or synthetically? Yeah, um, I, I'd, lo I'd love to. I, I guess the first thing I'd say is that, you know, you've got to think about what you're trying to do at the at the starting point. You know, both physical and synthetic are both actually relatively similar to each other. They both have the same objective, which is to provide the performance of the index as closely as possible uh, through the, the, the fund exposure. Uh, a physical fund does this by buying the the constituents of the index so stocks or bonds um uh, uh and you know look to replicate in that way they may use different methodologies there so uh, some you'll often hear people talk about uh, full uh, replication or sampled or, or optimized replication so exactly as they sound the full replication you buy all of the constituents as closely as possible to to their weights in the index and try and maintain that uh, over time um Uh, for sampling, you may not buy all of the, the exposures, particularly for a large or difficult to replicate index, um, and instead buy a sample that does it, that, that you think is going to do the best at, at replicating that index. Uh, and to be clear, you know, physical replication can be quite sophisticated and, and deliver, you know, extremely tight tracking of, of indices. Um, it's also worth saying that Uh, as I mentioned before, a physical fund may use stock lending, so lending out securities that it holds in return for a fee uh, in order to improve returns or or reduce the costs of, of replicating that index. Um, for a synthetic fund, just like a physical fund, it buys a basket of, of uh, securities or equities, for example, in our synthetic equity model, um, Uh, those that those equities won't necessarily be members of the index you're tracking, uh, but then what you're doing is overlaying that with uh, a swap contract to true up the performance of the the, the basket you own with the, the index you're looking to track. Um, and that swap contract is basically an agreement with a, a bank or banks um, to receive the performance of the index and 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 then pay the performance of of the the basket back to that bank. Um, I, I guess you know to follow that up with what determines whether you're going to replicate physically or synthetically. You know the, the choice of approach kind of depends on the underlying exposure. Large, difficult to replicate indices may be better done synthetically. Uh, difficult to access markets, newly you know uh, uh, arisen emerging markets, for example, uh, often a synthetic uh, approach, uh, effectively outsourcing the the replication. Uh, uh, to, to a bank that may have, you know, business activities already in that or, or the setup for trading in those, those difficult to access markets already. Uh, or in some cases, you know, and, and I think we'll probably expand on this, there, there are often structural benefits that, that allow synthetic to outperform. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's a lot, lot going on there. Um, now, it's my, my understanding, Christopher, that the ETFs using physical replication have accounted for the lion's share uh, of assets in the early years, but that recently synthetic replication model has actually gathered more uh, acceptance. Can you explain why that is? Yeah, I, th I think there are a number of factors behind it. I, I think, you know, uh, the first 
most important factor is that investors themselves have a better understanding of the choices they're making uh, and the implications of those choices. You know, um, it's it's very simplistic to look at a physical fund and say, well, this is, you know, this is obvious. I'll just buy all the stocks and, and it'll replicate the index. Uh, but there are other things going on underneath. As I, as I say, trading costs can be high and, uh, and, and tracking error can be high for certain indices. Um, so I think that better understanding, better educated investors is is making a huge difference. Um, the other thing I think that has shifted things is, you know, there have been improvements to the synthetic model. The 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 synthetic approach that I described of buying a basket of equities and and overlaying it with a swap with you know very risk tight risk controls around the exposures that you allow to counterparties. Um, uh, really came out of the financial crisis period. Prior to that, synthetic was a very different animal. It would be using a what's called a funded swap, and and actually you wouldn't own a basket of equities. You'd just have a claim on collateral as your security, um, which obviously has a very different risk profile. Um, it, it's become a much more risk controlled uh, approach in in the last decade. Uh, and then finally, I guess, you know, uh, uh, it, it all goes back to performance, really, you know, uh, better performance uh, for, for for certain markets makes synthetic a really attractive option. Yeah, um, I'd like to come back to that performance in a bit. But um, you at Invesco or Invesco in general is the largest provider of synthetic EDFs in, in Europe. I'm just wondering what explains your preference for this method of, of replication? Yeah, I, I guess you know the first thing I say is we don't have a, a preference particularly. Um, you know, we're very much ag- agnostic on structure. We're neutral on structure, um, uh, and you know, uh, actually, in our European ETF business, around half of the sixty odd billion dollars of, of assets that we're managing for clients are invested in physical ETFs, and half are invested via via the synthetic platform. Um, so it's it's not a preference it's what we prefer to do is to deliver the best possible uh, outcome for our clients and using the right structure is the best way to do that right right now getting back to that uh, performance uh, what can you say about the performance of synthetically replicated edfs when we compare them to their physical <laughs> competitors yeah so I, I guess the first thing you'll say is that you know uh, at a simple level uh, from a tracking perspective one advantage of of the synthetic model is that um because you have a contract to supply or provide the performance of of the index uh, exactly you have much lower tracking error versus the index you're tracking than than a physical fund and um, that's particularly relevant in things like emerging markets where physical funds are, uh, are typically sampling and you have a, a bit more volatility uh, uh in terms of the the index tracking um but in certain markets, there are also um, specific performance advantages. So, for example, uh, an ETF tracking a, a broad US benchmark such as, you know, S&P 500 or MSCI USA. Um, through the synthetic model, you're able to access better withholding tax rates um, uh, that the banks themselves are able to access. Uh, and they're passing through those benefits to, to the end investor. And that can be, you know... Uh, currently something like you know um uh, a quarter of a percent per annum better performance than the best performing physical funds um uh, similarly uh, but even to an even greater extent there are also structural anomalies in the china a shares market that a synthetic fund can take advantage of and and actually deliver you know 
between three to eight percent outperformance levels or you know uh, uh, around that that level for different exposures within the china asia's market um all of that made possible only by the synthetic structure that, that is being used. Right. And depending on, on the indices replicated and, and most of all also the country of, of domicile, uh, the synthetic replication may result in, in lower withholding taxes, stamp duties, financial transaction uh, taxes. Um, just wondering if what applies for the investors in, in, in Belgium and in the Netherlands who are our listeners of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so I guess, first of all, I'd have to say that I'm, I'm obviously not a tax advisor and we'd obviously advise <laughs> no. people to, to speak to okay, their tax enough. advisor directly. <laughs> but um, just to talk in general terms around the sort of impact of taxation, you know, there are three levels of taxation that you have to think about in terms of, of uh, funds and distributions. Um, there's the portfolio level, which is you know, the stocks you're holding in the fund, when they pay a dividend, there may be a withholding tax applied to that dividend that, that is received by the fund. So in the example of the US, that portfolio level taxation for a, 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 a fund that has no uh, tax treaty benefit would be 30%. So every time you get a dividend paid by the company, you would only receive 70% of the dividend and the IRS would receive the other um, uh, uh, 30 Um for an Irish domiciled fund, for example, so fund domicile really matters because there's a withholding tax treaty between uh, Ireland and, and the US, those distributions from the portfolio holdings will be taxed at a, a lower rate, 15%. So, you know, halving the tax burden. Um, for a synthetic fund, um, it, it can in, in, at times be possible, or in fact, indeed, it is possible to receive gross performance through the swap. And, and effectively, you're getting that because the banks themselves have an even more efficient tax position. Um, the next level of, found, of, of taxation is at the fund level. So when the fund is distributing or reinvesting uh, uh, the, the dividends that it receives, um, there's potential for withholding tax or withholding tax impact there. Uh, again, domicile matters. So, for example, an Irish domiciled ETF of the type that that, that we use, um, there is zero withholding tax applied by the Irish government. Um, so, any distributions are are passed through as as they're received effectively. Uh, and then finally, and this is the part that I really is, is difficult to to comment on. There's the individual level of taxation, which is your you know for for in the UK would be my my income tax. Um, uh, element uh, and obviously that varies from from domicile to domicile and country to country for for the end investor. Effectively, what we aim to do as a uh, as an ETF provider is pass through the most tax efficient approach that we can within the fund, and hence you know using synthetic for a for a US model, for example. Got it. Got it. Um, I'd like to talk a bit more about the the abbreviations that we've mentioned. Um, so we've spoken about the products, and there are more than 130 uh, ETPs, uh, ex exchange-traded products. Uh, but you also have a large offer of ETFs, which are the funds, and uh, ETCs, the commodities. Uh, now, please explain to us a bit more about what the differences are when we compare those last uh, two to the ETFs. Yeah, so... So uh, an ETF is is you know an exchange traded fund and that's the the most common type of exchange traded product which is what ETP stands for um and all of those funds as Irish domiciled Euro European domiciled uh, products are all USITS funds uh, so they're subject to the requirements of USITS 
um, uh, regulation, which includes diversification and concentration and uh, liquidity uh, and so on, um, as well as transparency and uh, uh, rules. Um, for commodities, for a direct investment in a in an individual commodity, say a precious metal like gold or silver or platinum or palladium, um, obviously it's not possible to create a, a usage fund because you're not going to meet the diversification requirements uh, uh, that, that come with that. You know, it's a single asset and, you know, 100% invested in gold, for example. Um, what that requires is a different structure to be used, and that's where e- ETCs come in. So ETC stands for Exchange Traded Commodity, or it could stand for Exchange Traded Certificate, because an ETC is is essentially a, a debt instrument where you're issuing, the, the, the vehicle is issuing certificates that are secured against uh, an asset. Uh, in this case, if it's gold, it's gold that's held in a vault. Um, uh, and it's that asset that's securing that certificate that um, imbues the link between the, the value of the certificate and the asset that you're trying to track, the gold price in this okay. case. I think you're doing a great job at explaining all this. But how would I then know if one ETC is better at replicating the commodities than another? Yeah, so it, it goes back to the good old, the same thing as you'd look at for, for an ETF, which is, you know, how well does it track that that index? Um, uh, you know, so for example, a, a gold ETC, you would compare the 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 price, the NAV or the, the certificate value um, versus, say, the, um, the the gold price in, in London uh, from the, the local London market um, uh, as a benchmark and compare how that, that performance looks. The truth is that for most ETCs, they replicate very, very closely to the index because, you know, they're, they're buying gold in exactly the right amount to match to, to the certificate values. Um, so you tend to see very low tracking error and you see, tend to see, you know, very consistent performance from exchange traded commodities in precious metals. Um, the key difference then is what is the fee that's being applied? So uh, headline fixed fees or fixed costs for, for, for an ETC will often be the key determinant. Um, so with a very low cost, you'll get better performance, obviously. Um, and then the other thing to think about is the cost of getting in and out of, of the investment. So the, the, the on-exchange spreads will give you an indication of that. So how much your the, the gap between the bid uh, uh, and offer price. Right. And, and you just mentioned, um, and I think that's very clear that there's products that are, that have exposure to only one commodity, such as, for example, the gold or, or the palladium. But there are also products that allow you to be exposed actually to multiple commodities at the same time. So what's your point of view on, on that? Yeah. So, so again, if we go back to the sort of ETF, ETC, the alphabeti spaghetti uh, <laughs> that we, we have to work with in these markets. Um, so, a, a, a broad-based commodity vehicle was actually able to meet usage diversification requirements. So, that would be an ETF rather than an ETC. Um, uh, and and yes, they're products that are used pretty widely by our clients. Um, uh, again, to go back to the physical and synthetic discussion we were having earlier, um, because they're tracking the performance of a futures-based index, so the index itself is looking at the performance of a strategy that's investing in futures and rolling those those futures on a rules-based approach, um, uh, the only way to replicate that is synthetically rather than physically. Um, but they do a great job of 
again matching the performance of of the the index they're looking to track mm. and and looking at the the risks of course also interesting uh, side of things uh what should i look at say i want to invest in in a gold etc for example what what kind of risks do i do i need to bear in mind yeah so so the obvious first thing is you know uh is the asset itself that you're you're looking to invest in you know gold is a single asset and obviously it forms part of a diversified portfolio for the investor you know there's that obvious risk there of, of investing in one type of thing um within the 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 ETC itself you know the the key questions that we get from from clients are you know um how is the gold stored um is there security how is it secured through the the, the process um is it insured um, how do I know that the gold is there? Um, you know, um, um, and very often you'll, you know, you, you, different providers will have a different approach, but I would want to know, you know, I'd want to be able to see a list of the, the bars that are being held in the vault and I'd want to know who the custodian is and all of those details. Um, those kind of sensible due diligence questions, I guess. Okay. Um, let's now compare the ETFs to the ETPs as a, a final part of this, this podcast. Uh, so ETFs, the funds, are ETPs, products by most accounts. Um, yet on your website, the Invesco website, you do make a, a distinction. And I wonder from an investor's point of view, what is the difference between the ETF and the ETP? Yeah, so so again, as I say, an ETP is that umbrella term for for all exchange traded products, yeah. and underlying that, are, there are generally three different types. So either uh, exchange traded funds, exchange traded certificates that we've just talked about, uh, and exchange traded notes, uh, which is not something that um, uh, uh, we actually offer. Um, so the only one that we haven't really explained so far is is an exchange traded note, um, uh, and that's actually. Uh, again, it's another type of, of debt instrument, but this time it's an unsecured debt instrument rather than a secured one. Uh, and they're typically issued by an individual entity such as a bank um, for a structured product type of approach. Um, doing sort of the same thing as a as a synthetic ETF, but uh, without that same basket of equities sitting behind it, without that same sort of surety of support. Um, more broadly, uh, you know, ETP is quite a useful umbrella term um, in particular, where there's potential for confusion. So, uh, as I say, ETC is something that most people associate as an exchange-traded commodity. Um, it is possible to have certificates that are not linked to to a commodity, as for example, as a um, you know a, a digital currency. For, you know, so so sometimes it makes more sense to use ETP than ETC. Okay, let's maybe look at another example. Say I were to invest in uh, digital decentralized currencies. What kind of structure should I then look for, Christopher? Y- yeah. So again, you know, um, if you were looking to invest in, I don't know, a Bitcoin yeah, or say. Ethereum or whatever, um, you know. Uh, again, much like a, a, a single commodity, if you're looking for exposure to a single um, uh, digital currency, uh, you're not going to be able to do that through an ETF uh, fund structure. It's not going to meet the diversification requirements. So uh, most of those types of vehicles would be an exchange-traded certificate of, of some form or maybe described as an exchange-traded product. Right. And, and how do I? How do these mimic the, the results? Yeah, uh, again, the the structure will vary depending on the provider. But um, uh, what I would look for is something similar to the structure that we talked about with Mm -hmm. with gold, which is, you know, I want to know that the asset is held in a secure vault. You know, in the case of a of a digital currency, obviously, it's there's no physical presence. Instead, what you're focused on is having a custodian who has 
the the um you know the quality of of security and and protection and rules to protect ultimately what what gives you access to a digital currency uh, are the the um the private codes around that passcodes um so it's protecting those codes is the key thing um uh, other than that it's a very similar structure which is that it's a debt instrument that's secured against those digital assets held in you know uh, f- secure physical servers. Right. Um, we're reaching the end, Christopher. I think you've done a great job in explaining to us all these different exchange-traded products. Uh, thank you so much for, for clarifying those. Are there any final words uh, of wisdom, things we haven't covered, of something you wish to add? I, I think the key thing I'd say is, you know, uh, we've been through a list of, you know, three-letter acronyms and shortened versions. Exactly. And, you know, it, it can sound horribly, horribly complicated, but the reality is that whether it's uh, an ETF or an ETC or an ETP, you know, uh, uh, ETFs and ETCs are you know basically doing the same thing. They're, they're, it goes back to what we said right at the start. What are you trying to get from this? You're trying to deliver the performance of uh, an index that you're you're looking to track, um, and th- this is a very effective and efficient tool for doing that. Um, yes. Do your due diligence. Yes, dig into how each different provider is doing the, the, this in detail. Uh, but the reality is that these are very useful tools for, for our investors. Thank you so much, Christopher, for being back here with me and for sharing uh, your time with us and, and mostly your insights into this quite difficult product. But I think you managed to, to really clarify. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. This episode was brought to you by Invesco. Invesco is one of the world's largest asset management companies originating in the US with a presence in Belgium since 2006 and in the Netherlands since 2007. For more podcasts and articles on passive investing, please visit the Invesco ETF Academy at the Investment Officer website, investmentofficer.be if you are in Belgium or .nl if you are based in the Netherlands. Disclaimer, the value of investments and any income from them will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of changes in exchange rates. Investors may not get back the full amount invested. This podcast is for discussion purposes only and is intended only for professional investors in Belgium, Luxembourg and the Netherlands. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, security or strategy. Regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable nor are any prohibitions to trade before publication. Where individuals or the business have expressed opinions, they are based on current market conditions, they may differ from those of other investment professionals and are subject to change without notice. This podcast is by Invesco Investment Management Limited, Ground Floor, 2 Cumberland Place, Fenian Street, Dublin 2, Ireland. Bye.